Hi, welcome to another exciting episode of HR Buzz Millennial Insight. In this episode, we will be talking about mental health and employee well-being. Thank you all so much for taking the time to talk about this very important subject that is bugging our workplace, which is mental health and employee well-being. I was going through an article recently, and it showed that, um, I believe it's a research that was conducted by the American uh, Institute of Stress. It reported that work-related stress is a significant contributor to mental health challenges. And also it says that about 48% of workplace stressor is actually a result of that. When it comes to productivity, another research by WHO estimated that depression and anxiety disorders cost global economy over one trillion in lost productivity each year. So this is a very important subject. And I believe that it's one that we need to talk about that. And today we have Jennifer. My name is Jennifer Alexander. Uh, I got into HR 20 plus years ago, feels like it was yesterday, but it's been a long time now, uh, when I was working as an office manager, actually, I was working with my caregivers, they had so many issues that would come up, um, one of the biggest things, even all the way back then was they were worn out, you know, they're taking care of the elderly, they're doing so much for such little pay, and just being there with them, able to help them through that is where I found my passion for HR. So that's where I wound up. I was like, you know, actually I was in accounting. I was taking my accounting degree, two total different sides of the spectrum. Absolutely. And I was like, I don't think accounting's for me. I actually think maybe I'll give HR a shot. So I went to school for HR, loved it. You know, you know, you know what you're supposed to be doing, that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing when you're doing the work and it just, it just clicks. And I was like, yes, so this is what I'm meant to do. <laughs> so yeah, I recently, um, I left where I was working. I started my own business called HR for the People. And now I'm sitting here talking to you guys. And I just, I absolutely love it. Thank you. We're so glad to have you here, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. We are excited to have you. And we can't wait to dive into your world of knowledge and experience on this subject. So in a nutshell, can you just talk a little about mental health? When we talk about mental health in relation to HR, can you just shed a little light on that? Absolutely. HR is expanding now and really taking on this huge task that is mental health, because as Tamika was just mentioning, since COVID, it is just, I mean, it's always been there, right? But it's been everyone's little dirty secret, you know, that you have anxiety problems, that you have these things going on. People really didn't talk about it before. And it's not until COVID, I think, you know, we all experienced it in such a universal way that it gave us this platform because it really did. It brought out a lot of things that people didn't even have before. So now it's almost like, you know, since COVID, this has happened. Now I can't sleep. I actually have developed that. It's a personal fact about me. I've developed a sleep disorder post-COVID. It's just something that, and people before, I think like you just didn't have that platform to talk about it. So HR has really, we're taking the bull by the horns. I, as an HR professional, I'm excited that we're finally able to discuss it openly. I was working, you know, in the couple of last places I worked, I was like, you need to talk about it. If you're having anxiety issues, if you feel like you're overworked, just be open because if you're open, more people are going to be. So true. I couldn't agree more. I think that the 
COVID really increased the awareness about this. Yes. But do you think we still have stigma associated with mental health challenges in the work environment? So from what you're saying, is you think that it's important for organizations to prioritize these by offering services and having it like your benefit packages and all of that should Absolutely. include things yeah. like that. Is that correct? If I got you correct. Yes, I think yeah. it's actually yeah. huge. Oh, go ahead, Tamika. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, no, I was just agreeing. But yes, I do believe that they should be able to provide that yes. for employees. And it's a huge selling point as well as like for recruiting purposes go, for example, people are looking at health insurance plans and what they have to provide as far as things like employee well-being go. You know, it, it kind of speaks to the remote world that we're in right now. People want to be taken care of. They want to be given options. It's the generation that we're in. People are not just taking it anymore. They're standing up and they're saying, you will take care of us. <laughs> you will give us freedom and flexibility. Do you know and some I think a lot of the verbiage that is used when it comes to that, it's about mental health, but I think when you see companies that are talking about work-life balance, a lot of that goes yes. in the end with the mental health. So you know that they're on the right path. They're just not saying, you know, mental health, but that's part of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And do you think remote work has any, because sometimes most persons are like work-life balance and we're talking about remote work only, but remote workers, there's still a tendency to experience mental health struggles too. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? I do think it offers more flexibility for sure. Um, as far as you being home and not having to go into the workplace. However, I think a huge push should be made for if you're a professional and you're working remotely, you have to trust your employees. You have to tell them they can do their work when they can. <laughs> you know, I'm working in a position now where it's just, we trust you, you're an adult, get it done when you can. And it allows me as a mom, you know, as someone who has a lot of other things going on, starting my own business, you know, oh gosh, having kids is a whole job all on its own. <laughs> it allows me literally to be able to do everything. Does that mean I never stop? Yes. But did I never stop before? Yes. <laughs> That's not a new thing, but, you know, giving people the flexibility to say it's eight o'clock at night and I have tucked the kids in, I've made dinner or we ordered pizza or whatever we wound up having to do that day. And then I can sit down and I have peace and quiet and I can work for an hour and I can get my stuff done. I think that's huge. It makes a huge difference in how people feel. And it'll take so much of the stress and pressure off of everyone because it's everyone's just running these days. And that gives them the availability, availability and the chance not to. Are there practical steps that you feel that individuals should actually take to prioritize their mental health and well-being while navigating the demands of life and work? Yes. <clears throat> Um, prioritizing your well-being would absolutely, number one, and especially if you're starting a new position, this is a great opportunity when you first go in to tell people exactly what your availability is. This is my life. I mean, I would even say maybe not the first interview because of course you're, you got your best face on then, but then, you know, as you go down the line and you're really sitting down to get the work done, you need to tell them on Fridays, I have 
I'm the cheer coach from two to four, I won't be able to work in the office during those times. Um, I am only going to work 40 hours a week, even though I'm a salaried employee. You know, it's about setting those boundaries and really sticking to it. And if they give you too much work and it's just you cannot get it done in those 40 hours, then you have to be able to say, I'm sorry, but I'm filled up right now and I can't get to that. So having this conversation upfront is really important when getting into a new position or even if you're in an existing position and life changes during the course of you've taken yes. up and life changes. Having this conversation is so important because you never can tell leaders. What about leaders? Do you think what advice would you give to leaders in these positions and management positions? Talk to your people. <laughs> get to know who they actually are so that you care and you invest in them. Um, if we're talking about mental health. If you are seeing something different from your people, you're noticing that they've kind of checked out. You've heard about like the quiet resignation, right? Yeah. You've noticed where people just aren't as engaged anymore. Uh, they just seem more tired. They're just not getting the right amount of work done. Something's going on there. So take them to lunch, tell them, you know, and don't say it in a demeaning way. Just say to them, I've noticed this change in you and I'm worried about you. Tell them what resources they have in their company. Go talk to HR. HR is a confidential source for you to go and to talk to about medical issues. They cannot say anything regarding medical. You are protected. Go talk to your HR and then they can give you resources. We come across so many resources in our field for things that can help people. We have so many lifelines for those types of things. It's a great resource. Encourage them to talk to HR. Do you know a few resources that you could share with the audience that organizations might want to consider? Mika? I'm sorry. Yes. Um, I, not off the top of my head, resources. Um, that they may want to consider, but I would just say if you don't offer an employee resource, employee assistance program um, yeah. to look into that, because that is something that um, that um, is a great benefit to them. Because those employee assistance work offer things like the work life balance. They also help you with financial issues at home um, if you're expanding your family, um, as well as mental health resources. Um, another thing would be to be able to get in contact with a local um, local mental health uh, facility because there are employers who do contracts with mental health facilities to be able to offer, well, you get so many free visits through us. Um, that was something that I was able to take advantage of years ago uh, after the, the death of my brother. So. Um, they were able to offer that to me. Um, and then um, where I'm at now, we put a lot of focus on trying to have um, quarterly events for our staff. And so what I'm putting together now will also include those resources. While we also have employee, um, the employee assistance program, but just helping them with any resources they may need in the area, in the community. That's Because awesome. that helps them in that we don't just care about what they do here for us. Here is the other benefits, like things that are available in the community that they may not be aware of. Absolutely. Um, that would be to them. 
Absolutely. Yes, that's such a good point. HR has to make an effort to make sure that their employees know what is out there. So I've gone as far as to send a weekly email to my employees, just doing research on my own. You know, for example, did you know that when you have, um, you have the, where they put the money aside and it's like taken out of your check, the HSA, I know a lot of people aren't completely familiar with them because a lot of companies don't offer them, <laughs> but an HSA, it's like a little credit card. Basically, they take the money out of your account. You can use it towards medical fees. It is not tax deductible, which is awesome. So you don't get any taxes taken out of it. And then there's actually a website. Uh, I found a website that's almost like Amazon. And you can go on there and like, say it's the end of the year and you have all this money that you've put on your HSA or, or your FSA, which expires after a year. You go on there and there's so many things that you can buy that you would need even just for your household band-aids. Uh, during COVID, they covered masks, things that none of us knew were a resource. That stuff's out there. You just have to find it. So making your employees aware of that, absolutely, Tamika, that's so important. Thank you for sharing that. And do you think, how can organizations create a culture that prioritizes mental health for the employees, including millennials? They have to be open to speaking to them. They have to be open to when someone says that they are having a hard week or they're tired, they have too much work, to not treat them like they're complaining, to have an open ear and to really hear that person. Because if they're saying it aloud, chances are they've been thinking it for a lot longer. Can you share success stories of companies that are that have successfully integrated mental health and well-being initiatives into their workplace culture? Well, so in my last position, I implemented a program. It was called Snap Eval. It was amazing, huge difference for the people that I worked with. So it's basically a um, 360 degree, I mean, you can send anything to as high as you want, as low as you want, any day or time of the week. It was on a cell phone, so you could do like a talk to text. And the reason that we implemented it really is because I noticed we were having a retention problem because a lot of our employees were only being told the negative. In mental health, you cannot just hear the negative day in and day out. I mean, it will, it will eat at anyone, the best of anyone, I think, if they're being told negative constantly, it will eat at you, it'll get to you, no matter how strong you are. So this program that we implemented, it was not only about the constructive feedback, because obviously we do need that to grow. You do have to hear those things, but also there was a whole category that just said kudos. So, I mean, and the funniest one that I ever got was like, kill the spider in my office, you know, and it seems so silly, but any, even something that silly, it was a connection between two employees that maybe wouldn't have had that before. So having a connection at work, uh, having a way to distribute that or where I am right now, they have a thing called bonusly. So the, the owner gives out points every month to all of the employees. You get a certain number of points and then you distribute the points to your coworkers every time they've done something that has benefited you or that you admire or they did really well. And then you use the points and you turn them into gift cards. So it's very cool. Anything positive, I think does huge makes a huge difference. Yes. yes, exactly. And you know what? We live in this world of social media, right? I mean, okay, us millennials, 
This is what the podcast is about, right? <laughs> Us millennials, we started the internet. Like we want to use this stuff, but we get the old stuff as well. It's the cool in between, you know, generation. But we started this. We started the social media. It was MySpace. It wasn't Facebook or Instagram or any of that. But we like the thumbs up. We like the hearts. You know, we like that kind of stuff. And the generations yeah. below us are just getting even more in tune with that. They expect that immediate feedback they need it to grow and they want to grow quickly so if you're working somewhere that's not offering that they're gone they will oh. not stay they won't be treated like that so true and it's so important for organizations to understand their workforce to understand the people that they're working with what they actually need or what they what motivates you what your workforce because employee engagement, to be able to have an engaged employee, you need to understand that employee and speak to their, what they are like attached to or what attracts them. If that's the right. I know exactly what you're saying, actually. Um, have you heard of the book? You've heard of the five love languages, right? Like everybody has different love languages. There's a whole book that's your work love languages oh. that I just found recently. And so if you buy the book, you get to take the assessment. And you mm -hmm. could actually take the assessment at the end and then share with all of your coworkers what your work love language is. So for example, like I thrive on one-on-one -on -one personal time. That's one of my biggest ones because I am such a social person. I need people. <laughs> I need people around me. They fuel me. They make me happy, you know? So my, one of my highest work love languages is that one-on-one -on -one attention. I like someone to completely give me their undivided attention for the time that we have. And then I feel like I've been heard, you know, or to implement changes from things that I've said. It's like, oh, they really respect me enough to put into place what I've said. So absolutely. And then, I mean, I think that's something that maybe workplaces should, everyone should put in their signature on their email, like my work love language is this. And then we know how to communicate to each other because we are all different people. Not everyone cares about the money. <laughs> I like the signature parts. Like this yes. is. <laughs> the company that had it outside, everyone had it outside their door. So when you walked up to that office, you knew how they like to be approached, how they like to be communicated to. Yes, exactly. I've heard of that too. I mean, people put it right on their doors, their cubicles. And you know what? Employees love that stuff. They really do. It makes it more fun. It lets us get to know each other more as an individual. As an individual. You don't feel so easily replaced. So true. There's nothing like working in an environment that you feel like, I belong. This person knows me. I... Yeah, we have this connection, this community. This it's more like a culture that actually promotes communication and like having this unity amongst the. Absolutely, it makes you get up in the morning and want to go to work instead of you've seen the memes where they're like sitting in the parking lot, like oh, I don't want to go in. <laughs> yeah. That's not what you want your employees to do. You want them to be excited to come to work. You know, give them reasons and give them ways to connect to each other. It's so yeah. important. Yeah, having that sense of belonging, like I belong in this group. Correct. Oh, I thought you said something to me. She said correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <I> said correct. <laughs> so how do you think organizations can measure the impact of 
their mental health initiatives. Like we know that more and more organizations are adopting initiatives to actually promote mental health. How can mm -hmm. we measure this? Is it just just throw it out there and let's have all of these events or all of these initiatives or all of these programs. How can we measure that this is actually doing the job that it was intended, that it's actually being productive? Do you think that there are ways employee um, organizations can measure the impact yeah. of these initiatives? I think it goes back to the exact same thing. I think you have to talk to your people. At the end of the day, it's, you know, people are so worried and afraid of crossing that line from business to personal. But if you want someone to stay, they have to feel personally invested. They have to feel like you care about them. So talk to your employees. Uh, you could even go as far if you don't want to do it one-on-one, one one, you feel like maybe there's too much of a disconnect between departments, send out an employee satisfaction survey, something simple like that. Uh, my favorite way to pull employees, though, is to keep it anonymous. There are third-party vendors that do like anonymous culture assessments or just satisfaction surveys, just pulling evaluations to see, do you like the supervisor? How would you rate them one to 10? Things like that. You have to get the feedback of the employees. Okay. Thank you for pointing that out. But as you were saying, you were talking, I got to ask, I wanted to ask, how do you think leaders and managers can actually practically do all of this without infringing on the privacy? Do you think privacy should still be a subject that should be taken seriously when it comes to mental health? I think the people that don't want to share won't. I don't think they ever will. But I do think there's a huge majority of people that have been dying to talk to each other. And because you know what, once you tell someone what you're going through, chances are they are too. <laughs> they just haven't talked about it. it. There has to be someone who is the icebreaker. So absolutely, if they want to keep their privacy, I would go more of the HR route and just find some outside resources. But there's so many people within the workplace that are just dying to connect to someone else that's going through the same struggles that they are and to know that they're not some freak of nature who can't sleep anymore, or, <laughs> you know, to know that we're all just humans. We're all going through all the same things. We all have challenges. So true. So, true. Uh, so providing the resources to everybody, but then also like taking that time to kind of have those one-on-ones with him. Um, I take the opportunity when um, I'm just out walking around or if I run into somebody to just kind of have a quick conversation and check in. And so you make them feel comfortable and they will share and then you can share any resources that you have. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Your HR person, the person that you designate as that person to talk to your employees, has to be someone they'll talk to. Because sure. really, I mean, it's one of the many, many hats that we wear. We are therapists as well. <laughs> so they have to know it's a safe place. They have to know that they care about them, that they want to hear, that they want to help. I mean, that's really anyone who's gotten into HR for any kind of uh, real reason, something that's close to their heart, is that's why we got into HR is really because we do want to help the people. We want to be there. So true. Looking ahead, how do you envision the future of mental health and well-being in the workplace? I think it's going to get so much better. I think, like Tamika pointed out in the very beginning when we were talking, she's talking about COVID. 
it was such a horrible thing that we've all gone through, but we all shared in it together. It really did unite everyone on the same front. We've all lost so many people. We've gone through so much being locked in our houses and, you know, it's just, it was an awful time, but it brought us to a point where we found that common ground and we're able to open up and talk to each other about these kind of things so much more openly. It's almost like it gave us that, that avenue to opening up. So I really think going forward, and especially if we all stand up and start talking and telling people that this is a real thing. I mean, companies, HR alike, everyone is going to have to implement these things and to make our work lives and our everyday lives better and give us those resources. Because otherwise, we're not coming to work for you. <laughs> it's hard enough to find employees these days. <laughs> Absolutely. I think another way they're working on it is um, with um, time off. I think we all learned that um, as Americans, as a whole, we have yes. a hard time taking And so um, allowing for more availability to take off and then also encouraging people to take your time, take your, vac your vacation, uh, take, take time off for family events or just or take a day like you know why our HR manager here constantly talks about take the day and go fishing you know she said that over and over again so allowing that time to just kind of decompress take some time for yourself and then yes. come back first. oh my gosh Tamika, that's such a good point one of the things that I did is during evaluations I would look at their time off and I'm like wait you have 48 hours of vacation left why have you not taken a vacation they're like well I don't really want to go anywhere I'm like sit at home and binge Netflix I don't care what you do <laughs> that's your time take your time it's so important for your mental health to take that time off such a good point Tamika it really is you have to in uh, mental health days this is a thing <laughs> you need you don't have to be sick in the bed coughing mental health I just need a day to decompress. Yes. I've had a hard week. I need a mental health day. <laughs> Do you have one thing, if you have like something to say to the employee and the organizations, what is one thing that you, one advice that you would give to employees and organizations as well? Uh, organization side. I think yeah. I've said it a couple of times now. Talk to your employees. <laughs> Please talk to your employees and care what they have to say and implement the changes about what they're telling you. And there's a reason they're saying it. If you're not listening to your employees, you're going to lose them. Employees, stand up for yourself. <laughs> Tell them what you need. Tell them that you're not available every second of every day. Just because I have a cell phone doesn't mean you can call me at 2 a.m. in the morning and expect me to answer or respond to an email at 5 a.m. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> employees are not taking that anymore. And I encourage employees to do that, to set those boundaries, to say, I work from eight to five. I work 40 hours a week. That's what I'm doing. And I'm taking my time and I will not feel bad about it. And if something doesn't get done while I'm on vacation, that's not my responsibility. Who did you have set up to be my backup to cover that while I was gone and I took my approved time? I earned it. Agree. Set boundaries. Be mindful the um, employees to set those boundaries, um, because if not, like once you let them, oh, you know, once you let them cross that boundary, 
like that first time you're getting a phone call at seven o'clock when you just sat down to eat, yes. you will constantly get those phone calls. Or the first yes. time you pick up a day, you're going to constantly get those phone calls. Um, Absolutely. So setting down it comes to employees or companies understand and embrace work-life balance. Even if you have been working and doing what you're doing for 30 years and you're in C-suite upper management and you are used to being there from sunup to sundown and working on weekends and that's what you love to do, that's fine. Nobody's knocking that. If that's what you love to do, but all, but understand that for others up and coming, they need that work-life balance. Young families, older families, no matter what, they need work-life balance. And embrace that and not look at someone who's who's talking about that in an interview about what is your company's work-life balance or like what is the expectation as them being lazy. Yes. Oh my gosh. Another great point, Tamika. Yes. In the interview, ask them about their culture. Ask them about the work-life balance. And if they say they have a work-life balance, ask them what that means. What do they do to give that work-life balance? Because if they answer that and it's not true later on, you can tell them, during the interview, you told me this. This is why I'm setting these boundaries. And from the company's perspective, be honest. Don't waste people's time. If you don't really have a way to give them a work-life balance and you expect them to work 60 to 80 hours a week, Tell them that so that you find the person that wants that. <laughs> yes, there are people. People are workaholics. Some people love it. I mean, I don't like to be bored and not work, but I also have to see my daughter before she goes to bed every night. <laughs> right? Yeah. So just have this conversation, communicate, because you never, you don't want an employee turnover. You don't want to experience turnovers in the organization. So it's important to just, Lay everything out front. If, uh, I remember having a conversation with someone a few weeks ago, and they were like, "You know that you're not um, your organization is not tech friendly, and you're bringing in this person that loves technology and loves the use of digital tools. You mm-hmm. have to communicate this because if they come in, they're going to be frustrated yes. that they have to start doing all of this the traditional method of." Mm-hmm conversation and doing um, things and they may leave but yes. if you're upfront and let this employee know that okay this is where we are right now mm-hmm. this is where we're hoping to get to these are what we're doing to get to that point and we're hoping that you can join us and right. get into that point if yes. they lost their challenge they're more likely to go on board with you and continue with you. Yes. But if they come in, when you paint a picture perfect organization and you're like, oh my, okay, this is not, not what I signed up for. Signed up for. <laughs> and you see them that at the end of the day, they're like looking for the door, looking for the closest. Yes. yes. They can do it. So it's so important. And during the period, the months or the years or the duration that they're going to be in their company, it's going to be so frustrating. And so daunting, it's just going to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going in here to go do this thing again. So it's so important to have these conversations upfront. Interview process, onboarding process is a perfect time to have all of these conversations to know if it's something I want to do. So both the employees or the applicants and the organizations alike should take it seriously. So 
It's so important. And if something changes, tell your company it's changing. You know, a great example, we would do annual evaluations. And so one of the questions I would ask is, is there anything that you foresee changing in the next year that we should be aware of? Because really, I mean, everyone needs to get ready. Say you're pregnant. You're going to need time off. We need to figure out those projects that you have coming up. I mean, you just, you have to, and it doesn't have to be something as obvious as like a pregnancy. It can be mental health. You, I've been having these issues lately. I'm not sleeping as well. I might not be able to work, you know, 60 to 80 hours a week. Anything that's going on that's changed in your life. It's just transparency. Yeah. On both sides. Yeah, I'm having those issues at home and it's going to require more time from my end. Is it possible to like tweak my hours or just having that those conversations are important. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming online and joining Thank me. Thank you so much for having us. Is there any Thank other, you. Absolutely. Is there something that you would like to add that I haven't touched or a topic or something, a subject that you would love to talk I mean, I could go on about the subject for hours and hours and hours. If you look at my LinkedIn, I pretty much do. <laughs> I think I pretty much repost everything that has anything to do with employee well-being. But I mean, really, if anyone is having a hard time and wants to reach out to me, I'm here. I mean, I'm not your HR person, but I will be here for you. Feel free to reach out. LinkedIn, Jennifer Alexander, just send me a message and I'll be there time i really do appreciate this conversation and just shedding more light on this very important subject thank you so much thank have you a great day time. stay cool thank out you. there it's a hot one <laughs> <laughs>